All right, it's the final hour of the Fan Morning Show. Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Uh, it was draft week last week. Ailish was there. And our next guest Yeehaw. was also there. Our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Chuck Fletcher was on the panel. Chuck Fletcher's on our show. Good morning, Chuck. How are we doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you? Uh, we are doing pretty good. Uh, how was the experience working on the uh, Sportsnet panel last week? You know, it was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it, was, it was really difficult, though. I found uh, I found parts of it new and challenging. Um, it's a lot harder than what it looks, for, you know, from the outside. But I worked with some great people, um, and it, it was a lot of fun. I'm really glad I, I gave it a try. I always wondered what it would be like, and. Uh, you know, it's about five and a half hours on set. You got to be on. And, and, and unfortunately there were no trades in the first round, which was one of the reasons they brought me out was to be the, <laughs> the trade expert and there's no trade. So, uh, that didn't help, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Did you get to explore Nashville at all? I didn't see you out and about. I was looking for you at Tootsie's and co, but maybe you were more of a professional than I was. <laughs> I've, I've been there to those spots a few times. So no, I laid low a little bit. I was, uh, I was, I was preparing. <laughs> okay, so we don't have any uh, trades as it relates to the Toronto Maple Leafs, really, to discuss with you. But uh, I think we should throw a couple names by you and uh, test out that uh, scouting and analysis chops of yours. Uh, Bertuzzi and Domi, uh, they add snot to the Toronto Maple Leafs, according to Brad Treliving. They get them both on one-year deals. What do Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi bring to the Leafs that the Leafs didn't have before? Well, you know, first of all, they, they both have skill. I, I loved uh, Brad's quote the other day about bringing snot, and, and clearly they're competitive people. I mean, Bertuzzi's an agitator. He's physical. He'll get to the inside, uh, bring a lot of the elements that Bunting brought to the club the last couple of seasons. And, but he's also a high-end playmaker. Um, again, he makes his living in around the paint, and I think he's a, a player that can play with, with talented players and really compliment them, whether it's – you know, doing the digging, getting to the net, or even creating. And, and Domi's a really versatile player. You know, again, he has, he has some skill. He does compete. He can play center. He can play wing. There's a lot of different things he can do. And, uh, but I just really like their depth. You know, you don't forget you're going to have a full season of Matthew Nyes. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about Nick Robertson's health. To me, he's a bit of a wild card. He's a talented, talented kid. And maybe there's something there that, that can emerge, but their depth up front seems uh, really good. Um, and, and certainly you look at the rest of the division, a lot of teams lost players. And I think you can argue the Maple Leafs have, have added uh, as much as anybody and improved their team as much as anybody. So the Leafs go with uh, at least three for now, uh, one-year contracts that they've added. I wonder how much the one-year narrative plays into a player's performance. Obviously, uh, both Bertuzzi and Domi are you know, playing for something bigger, maybe a big payday, and playing in the Toronto market might help with that, playing with some of the biggest superstars. Obviously, Domi even has an added incentive with his father's legacy here in Toronto. But does that really factor a lot into what you might see from these two guys um, this season? I think so. You know, everyone, again, we, it's been talked about so much, the flat cap and, and uh, how difficult it is to, to lock in and cash in if you're a good player and, and, and the cap's going to start to go up the next couple of seasons. So I, I think it's you have two kids who, who probably both uh, are thrilled to be in Toronto and play for the Maple Leafs and both are, are playing for a payday. So, it, you know, you're finding some really motivated players here on a couple fronts. 
Uh, John Klingberg should also be a motivated player. He comes over to the Maple Leafs on a one-year deal, uh, just above $4 million. Uh, but the story with John Klingberg uh, is not just, hey, uh, prove, prove it on a one-year deal. Uh, this is a guy who lost out on many millions of dollars gambling on himself, thinking that he might be able to do better in free agency than he did. And I wonder, you know, there's a bit of a rehabilitation thing there. And just in terms of your mindset and your career as an NHL player, when uh, when a player does miss out on that and they might be a bit of a distressed asset to a certain extent like what what, what how does that factor into a general manager's th- thought process and what they're trying to do do you see it as an opportunity there or is that something that can negatively affect the player and not them put in a position to do what you need them to do uh i mean you can answer specifically to klingberg and what he can bring but contract mismanagement and when a player doesn't get what they thought they were going to get how does that factor into the equation uh, when dealing with contract negotiations and trying to improve your team well again you're finding a motivated player Klingberg's a a player that had a lot of excellent seasons in Dallas Uh, I was in Minnesota for a lot of years we played against him his ability to join the rush to transition to play on the power play he's got a sneaky shot uh, he brings a lot of offense, and, and you know, last year he, he, he signed a one-year deal in Anaheim for $7 million, so Toronto obviously is getting a considerable discount on that amount. Uh, you know, he's, he's admitted Klingberg that last year was a struggle for him, and I, I, I expect in, in Toronto's situation there's a lot more stability there. There's a lot of good players there. This guy has skill, and, and when I looked at the playoffs last year with the Maple Leafs, you know, with the exception of Morgan Riley, there just was not a lot of offense generated from the back end. And you compare the, the Maple Leaf defense in the playoffs to Carolina, for example. Carolina got a lot more offense, uh, transitioned the puck better. And with all the skill up front, I think a guy like Klingberg fits fits really well. It's obviously a gamble coming off a tough year, but he's going to be motivated. And this is the best team he's, he's, he's played on in a while. And, uh, you know, to me, it, it's a smart play. It's only one year, and uh, it, it's a real good gamble by the Maple Leafs. How big of a challenge is it going to be for Brad Treliving to move Matt Murray? Well, <laughs> that's a tough one for me to answer. I've not... Not in there. I mean, obviously, Brandon Pridham and, and, and Tree are, are really smart guys. They know the CBA and the cap inside and out. So I'm sure they'll they'll have some ideas on what they want to do with their goaltending situation. Obviously, Sam Sonov needs needs a contract. And when he signs, they'll have three, three goalies uh, that all want to be in the NHL. So I assume that's something they'll look at. But, you know, the for Toronto going forward, the, just the one point I want to make here, I mean, Kyle, Kyle deserves some credit for this as well, and certainly Tree, but they only have four players signed beyond uh, two seasons, and they only have two players signed beyond three seasons. So, you know, the narrative has been about how tight the cap is. There's no cap space, and, and yet, in, in very short order here, this franchise is going to have a ton of flexibility to do the things they want to do. So, it's uh, it's a pretty exciting time there. I know they have some big decisions to make, but the fle- flexibility they have, and you combine that with the cap going up, the, the Maple Leafs are going to have a have an opportunity to do whatever they want to do here the next few seasons. We're speaking with Chuck Fletcher, a former NHL GM, of course. Um, we want to ask about William Nylander. When you, we perfect segue into that with uh, big decisions on the horizon and contracts to negotiate. How difficult is this type of situation to be in, where a player uh, values themselves a little bit higher than the team right now? The cap is continuing to rise, and there is really no time crunch for William Nylander to say like he could walk this rest of the season out, and the Leafs might have to 
to make a tougher decision um, in your perspective, what kind of difficult conversations are going on and maybe which way you would be leaning if this was your role? Well, again, the issue right now for the, for the short term for right now is the cap has been flat. I mean, going forward again, we're, we're expecting it to go up. Though, so there should be a little bit more leeway, but you know, it's just the age old, uh, you know, the age old dance that you have. And, you know, the, as a manager, you're trying to, determine how much it's going to cost you to, to get everybody signed and, and what you're going to need to build around it. And the players obviously trying to do the best they can and, and uh, you're, you're trying to do the best you can. So I don't think this is any different than any situation that, that Tree's been through and, and, and teams go through. But, you know, it, uh, I anticipate, you know, it's hard for me to say uh, what they'll do, but I anticipate, uh, you know, they'll, they'll take a really good stab at it. And, and if it doesn't work out, then, then obviously he's a really good trade asset. But, you know, he's a good good player, a really big part of that team. And, and certainly in the short term, you look at that club with, with, uh, with their forwards. They have three lines that can all contribute offensively. And their depth, again, I really like their depth. Uh, it's even better than what it was last year. So Kyle Dubas made about six or seven additions at the trade deadline last year. Uh, and despite the depth and despite, you know, making a couple really uh, good moves here for Bradshaw Living or interesting ones at the very least, uh, it seems like the roster is going to be a little bit incomplete, at least to start the season, because it seems like, frankly, nowadays, it's impossible to get your team finalized, set in stone before the start of the year, just because... That's how it is in the salary cap era when the salary cap isn't rising and guys continue to make more and more money. Are, are GMs now just resigned to the fact that, hey, you can only get about 90 to 95% of the way there before the start of the season and you're going to have to keep working on your roster throughout the course of the year and leading into the trade deadline because it really is hard nowadays to manage the cap and make sure that you're, uh, you know, that you're not just spending to spend rather than leaving yourself open with some flexibility. Is it just a reality in the NHL now that you can't really have your roster set for training camp? I think that's always been something uh, you've looked to do. I remember working with Brian Murray for many, many years, and he always wanted to leave a couple spots for, for young players to come into camp and believe that there was opportunity for them and uh, and see if you could find a young player to, to, to come in and play and bring some energy and, and bring some youth to your lineup. So I think that's always been a part of it. I, obviously the, the cap has barely gone up the last four years. So it's, it's become more acute for that reason, but you know, there are opportunities in training camp and, and sometimes it's good to get into the season and find out. I mean, you, you're making assumptions about your roster now and you, you might like a, your forward group, but not might you know, might not like your D, but once you get into training camp, injuries happen or some players play better than what you expect and some don't. So, you know, having that ability to, to shift a little bit during the winter or in particular at the trade deadline can really be a smart place sometimes because, you know, so many unexpected things happen. So the Maple Leafs also bring in Ryan Reeves on a three-year deal. Um, he even said so himself, a lot of what he brings isn't on the ice. Um, it's in the dressing room. It's in the way that he conducts uh, himself and, and wants the team to have good vibes. Now, I wonder how much one player can really do to shift um, the way that a locker room is being handled. And I mean, Ryan Reeves certainly is the, probably the perfect guy to do that. Have you ever had an experience in your your time where you brought in someone you know, mostly based on the way that they conduct themselves and the energy that they bring. Yeah, I think I think you're always looking to to do that at, at different levels. Whether it's a it's a veteran player that you're bringing in to to uh, you know mentor your young players or or to play a certain role or you know a veteran defenseman that you bring in 
uh, you know, probably a little bit like Kyle did a couple of years ago with Giordano, somebody that's been around that can that can play, but also brings a lot of those intangibles. You know, there's there's tough guys that you you bring in from time to time that that can help that bring that presence, and and typically the ones that survive, like Ryan Reeves, uh, are popular teammates and and know how to how to do things uh, off the ice that are beneficial to an organization and and uh, so i you know the the one thing with ryan reeves you know what you're going to get and, and at 1.35 million i just it's just not that big a big a deal in terms of the cap i think it's something they can easily work around and and uh, that's obviously an element they felt they needed and 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 ryan is as good as anybody at doing that so the scouting report on Brad for Living Chuck was that he's always in everyone's ear. He's always having conversations. Everyone knows Brad. Brad knows everyone. He's always making calls. So when you were working with Philly, how often was the phone ringing for you? And you ever just look at the phone and I'm like, Brad, again, like I can't take this right now. Like how, how much is Brad for Living actually talking to people? Uh, all the time. It, Brad works. He's a smart guy. And, and you know, early in the season, there's, he'll, he'll be calling or you'll be calling him and the conversations are just, you know, who's fitting in, who isn't, uh, you know, where where do you think you need to add or where do you think you have depth? And, but he's always doing his homework. He's digging and, and he's able to move uh, quickly on so many things because he has that information. And, and I would say he, he certainly works the phones as well and as often as any GM in the league. And, and now he's got great experience. He's been doing this for quite a few years, and he's been through some tough situations. Last summer in Calgary was obviously a, a tough hand for any general manager, and, he, and I thought he dealt with it as well as he probably could under the circumstances. So, you know, coming into a market like Toronto with the challenges and the expectations, he's – you know, he, he has a lot of that great experience, but he, he's always working the phones and, and uh, you know, so he'll have a lot of information, even going back to his time as Calgary GM, uh, having those conversations last year with all the managers. So I'm sure he'll be in a pretty good situation to, to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, former NHL GM Chuck Fletcher on the phone with us. A uh, bit of a curveball for general managers this offseason, at least it seemed, with a lot of players non-tendered and becoming free agents uh it, it seemed like you know for teams that were at the high end teams that needed to find cheap talent i thought it was going to be a real real coup for them where they could just have a more populated player pool to choose from to make sure that they could get some talent to supplement uh their core but what does that say about like everything else that's going on in the league where there are so many players that teams didn't want to commit to is like the system gonna pop soon? Like, what what is that? What is that symptomatic of? Where there's so many players around the league that you know teams just could not inf- afford internally and just had to cut loose. Well, a lot of that goes to arbitration. If you're gonna make a qualifying offer to a player and the player has arbitration rights, and the arbitration market is is often different than the real salary market. You know, you're not allowed to introduce. Uh, things like COVID and the pandemic and, and the flat cap and contracts that are, are signed and on the books, regardless of when they were signed or are, are, are comparable. So the, the problem with arbitration is you lose a little bit of control. Um, you, you know, you can't uh, maybe hit the budget number that you have for a player because you're, you know, you're beholden to the overall market. So I think you see teams trying to get away from that, trying to avoid arbitration and try to cut a, a deal with the player prior to non-qualifying and, and you saw some of that where players weren't qualified and then they signed, uh, you know, maybe a day or so later. Uh, but, you know, it's just, again, trying to avoid that salary arbitration market, you know, when everyone's so tight to the cap. Does the NHL need bad teams, Chuck? Like, 
I, I don't know. There, there, a couple teams have been, you know, landing spots for different, uh, you know, for, I don't want to say bad money, but albatross contracts that need to be moved on, players that are on LTIR. It seems like, yeah, the NHL loves to talk about parity, but without the really bad teams over the last couple of years, would the NHL be in like a really, really difficult spot where there are no elite teams and all these problems mount? And, and like, you, you, you don't want haves and have nots, but without the have nots recently here in the NHL, it seems like the growth of the game and where it's headed and where it should be wouldn't be there. And you wouldn't have uh, player movement at all. You wouldn't have elite teams that can actually fill gaps. Like where would the NHL be right now, in your opinion, if there weren't teams that were trying for just a short period of time to not be any good? Well, those teams were pretty crucial the last few years, as you mentioned, in terms of absorbing some of those contracts that teams needed to, to get off their their books so they could conduct the business they wanted to conduct. And, you know, how much that changes as the cap goes up over the next few years, teams may have, you know, less inclination to, to dump contracts if there's, if you have more internal room just by virtue of the cap growing. But, you know, it's been, it's been fascinating to see the growth of, um, of hockey markets in the South in, in the Southern part of the United States and how good some of these hockey teams are now. Uh, obviously Vegas winning Dallas has been good for a while. Tampa keeps winning. And I think it's so good for, uh, you know, the growth of the game and, and uh, some of these markets, whether it's the weather, some of them have inherent tax advantages, but you know, the, the markets truly are growing and, and they're starting to produce youth hockey players as well. And, it's, it's it's very exciting for the league in terms of overall growth and, and where we want to get to. Last one for you here, Chuck. Um, free agency obviously opens up this weekend. We see a flurry of moves, um, some signings, and some teams that are, are certainly going uh, in the direction of going all in. Is there is there a team you liked best or a signing you liked best from this past weekend? No, you know, I, I don't know. I, I liked the fact that a lot of the deals were shorter term. Mm-hmm. Again, I thought the I thought Toronto did did well. Um, you know, to me, one of the interesting teams was was Arizona, um, a team that went out and uh, signed Kerfoot, uh, signed Jason Zucker on a one year deal, brought Bukestad back, traded for Dursey, traded a second round pick for Sean Dursey, and and according to a lot of the insiders around the league, are allegedly in on Matt Dumba. So. Mm-hmm. You know, to see a franchise like that after having so many draft picks become a little bit more aggressive and try to take a step. And uh, obviously there's an arena situation there, so they may want to put their best foot forward and be a little bit more competitive this year, uh, you know, as they push to, to, to stay in Arizona. So I thought it was interesting to, to see a club like that step up and sort of quietly go about their business. So, but, you know, again, I think the story of this free agency is shorter term. Um, you know, again, some players kicking the can down the road to get into the market as it continues to go up. And and then there's still, you know, a lot of players that are potentially on the trade market mm-hmm. right now. So whether we see the rest of the summer, whether there's a cap space for, for good teams to absorb some of these good players that are available or are those situations that, you know, will linger into the season and, and become uh, – something for trade deadline day, but there still seems to be a a lot of teams that are are a little bit anxious and and still ready to to make some moves, you know, whether they can or, uh, 
the cap the cap situation <laughs> starting to dry up pretty quickly. So that'll be that'll be the interesting thing to watch. Well, for our sake, I hope that there are many moves to come this summer. Uh, a summer long of radio is nice when things do happen. So we appreciate uh, the idea that that could be around the corner. Uh, Chuck, appreciate you joining us this morning. Congrats on a really great week uh, with Sportsnet with us um, last week on the on the panel, and we look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. That's Chuck Fletcher, former NHL GM and our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Matt Dumba. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Maybe to the Arizona Coyotes. It's interesting. He would know Matt so, Dumba well, of course, for the time in Minnesota. That's true. And we, I don't know if we mentioned it at the top of the show or not, but um, there were rumors that came out yesterday that the Leafs did take a run at Dumba. Mm-hmm. Elliot said that on 32 Thoughts on their two-hour finale podcast. I guess maybe a quick pivot from uh, Dumba to Klingberg, though. Yeah, I think Dumba might be... Personally, I would rather have Matt Dumba. Yeah, I would agree with that, but Mm -hmm. how much money would Matt Dumba be? Yeah, maybe he's looking for a long-term deal. But again, I think a couple themes that we've run into here mentioned like all those non-tendered guys, but the long-term deals weren't necessarily there. Like even the Dimitri Orlovs of the world, they made a lot of money over almost $8 per year with Carolina. That's a lot, Mm -hmm. but only a two-year deal. Uh, so a lot of these guys haven't been able to, you know, break the bank here, which is interesting because it's all setting up for the salary cap to rise in a big, big way. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, some guys can sort of blur those lines and and not have that impact them, or maybe they're making the conscious decision. I don't think that happened with Tyler Bertuzzi, but they're making the decision to put themselves back into a position to uh, negotiate a big deal when there's actually more money in the system. Because right now it just seems like, there's very, very little wiggle room for guys to go. And if you want that big money deal with a little bit of term like Alex Kaloran, well, you got to go to Anaheim. Or if you're Alex Kerfoot and you want more than one year, you got to go to Arizona. There are only a couple mm. spots, I guess, to get that term because there are only a couple spots around the league where those teams aren't cap strapped. And we don't know for sure, but rumors are that Tarasenko might be signing with the Hurricanes who have already had a really, really great free agency they are a team that has put themselves in the conversation every year, and they're getting even better. So Tarasenko to the Hurricanes would be another. Does that take tough them one. out of a William Nylander discussion? Takes them out of an Eric Carlson discussion. Mm. Takes them out of a couple discussions, perhaps. What's... Although they're they're a team that, like, even even despite being elite level to an extent, they generally don't spend to the to the salary cap. Like they've found a way to keep their own internal budget working, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive, given that it's nearly impossible to be a great team and not spend to the salary cap. Well, let's keep our discussion going with Adam Hadwin, Canadian PGA Tour golfer, of course, joining us after the break. Uh, had a tough finish to what was a really great weekend. Um, finished second, tied for second at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, the three-way playoff. Ricky Fowler, of course, getting a win, which I think the guys love. The guys love Ricky Fowler. So there is actually a video of Adam Hadwin in the back clapping as soon as Ricky Fowler hit that putt. Like he, The Canadians are great. But you can tell that the guys really support Ricky Fowler, who hadn't had a win in a really long time. So we'll talk to Adam Hadwin about that. And, of course, the tackle heard around the world. We got Nick Taylor's caddy's perspective a couple weeks back on the show. Uh, The slow-mo linebacker tackle. Uh, Let's get the guy that was tackled perspective, see if his back's holding up. All that's next. And the wake and rake, we'll do a quick one. we got to get the Joey Chestnut over-under in there, and then we'll do a parlay. So send your picks in at 590-590. That's next. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, the final block of the Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 fan, Justin and Ailish, and what a perfect song to bring in our next guest. It gets knocked down, but it gets up again. It's Adam Hadwin, Canadian PGA Tour golfer, joining us this morning. How's it going, Adam? Uh, good morning. How are you all? How's your back feeling? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that was a nice little intro there. I didn't clue in until you said anything, but that was pretty funny. I know it's been a couple of weeks, and uh, Justin, my co-host, and I were there at the Canadian Open, and of course, you've been asked this a million times, but we got to go back to it. We got to get the scoop, because we talked to Nick Taylor's caddy, and he gave us the play-by-play of his perspective of watching the linebacker turn the corner and hunt you down, but <laughs> walk us through the moment. You're on the on the green, you got the champagne, and then darkness ensues. yeah um what a a wild chaotic scene obviously just um the champagne had kind of been pre-planned um and uh yeah once he i mean once he sung that pot it was a bit of a mad scramble to find where the bottle was get it open try not to kill anybody with a cork um and then the goal was just to simply get him as uh you know as wet as possible with as much champagne as possible and um, I came around the corner pretty hot there, and I, somebody <laughs> thought I was doing a little bit too much. And um, next thing you know, I ended up on the ground with a with a wrapped up by a security guard surround, you know, and a cop kneeling beside me. And um, you know, they quickly realized it was a bit of a misunderstanding, and I was back up on my two feet and um, still spraying the champagne bottle. So uh, kind of a wild thirty seconds there. I think it was your stealth tactics, like preparing for this interview, obviously watching the tackle over and over and over again. And I saw a new angle uh, yesterday, and it was like, I think you came from a different area, trying to hide a little bit, came around the corner, and he saw you hiding and no one else. (laughs) Nick Taylor didn't see you hiding. I don't think he saw it was coming. But you mentioned the cop there who was kneeling next to you. Did you believe for even a second that you were in serious trouble? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't have any thoughts of, of being in trouble. I do remember, um, you know, I held on to that thing for dear life. I was not going to let that champagne bottle go. And, um, when the cop came in, I, I distinctly remember him saying, let go of the bottle. And that, <laughs> no. if you go, if you go through the video, he gets his hands on the bottle and then my hands kind of come up and like opened up, like, that's fine. Take it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting into trouble here. Like, I knew this was a misunderstanding. It's going to be cleared up in a second, but uh, no way I'm forcing the issue here. Yeah, he, he was doing police things. Like, I don't know if there was a reach for handcuffs. He definitely reached for the bottle. <laughs> a little bit of the struggle didn't last very long. But with a cop's kneeling uh, yeah. beside you and, uh, you know, trying to get your hands on what you're holding, probably time to, uh, yeah, relinquish uh, the bottle. Um, okay, so, yeah. you know, it's a good time for Canadian golf, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Nick Taylor obviously has that win. Uh, it's something that I think will help uh, liberate you guys a little bit. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth just a bit, but there's been so much pressure on the Canadian golfers at the Canadian Open for so long, and the conversation was like, okay, when's this going to happen? 69 years. I think it's going to be easier to be playing the Canadian Open now that you've had a Canadian winner and you guys have been able to celebrate on the 18th green the way you did. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to make it a lot easier to answer all the questions in the media leading up to the event. Um we no longer have to kind of run through that gambit anymore of, well, you know, it's how long it's been and this and that. So, um, yeah, what an amazing moment for golf in Canada and, and, uh, for Nick personally. And I mean, honestly, a little selfishly for me to be there to support him. Um, I mean, that was one of the, the craziest atmospheres I've ever been a part of. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, things worked out the way they did that week for me to be able to support him. 
I wonder what the like brotherhood is with the Canadian golfers because obviously between uh, four or five of you right now, a lot of you have had an opportunity to win this year. You obviously were in the three-way playoff this past weekend. We'll get to that. But having seen you guys on the green together celebrating um, and really pushing each other, uh, is that something that is, is often a conversation with the with the, the Canadian golfers on tour? I know there's obviously a rivalry and a little bit of competitiveness, but maybe a camaraderie of, hey, we're kind of uh, a little bit of a team here. No, 100%. Um, you know, it's both. We obviously want to beat each other every single week, but at the same time, um, if we're going to lose, we'd rather lose to a, a fellow countryman um, and see them do well. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a growing group um, for sure. You know, seven, eight guys having tour status every single year now. Um, but in the, in the scheme of things, I mean, it's still a pretty small group in general, um, you know, coming from one country. So uh, we try and support each other as, as much as we can and, and, you know, play with each other and hang out. And, um, but yeah, I think it's that, um, friendly rivalry that, that we can have and that, uh, kind of spurs us on. And specifically for Canadians have won this year and, and you were really close. How much motiv- motivation is it you specifically to get that fifth one for the Canadians? Um, and like the, the extra motivation that you're like, Hey, I want to be in this. I want to be in this conversation too, personally. Yeah, you hate to be left out. Um, seeing all the guys that you play with and um, having great years and, and playing well and doing special things, and um, you don't want to be on the outside of that looking in. So um, there's a lot of motivation. Um, a lot of it's out of our control, uh, which is can be difficult sometimes. Um, you know, you just kind of have to focus on the little details and, and um, try and enjoy it. And um, I was able to have a chance last week and came up just a, a hair short, but um, I felt like I, pr- I did pretty much all that I could do. It just just wasn't enough. I guess it's possible that you were, you know, blissfully unaware of this, but it was almost impossible to watch the final round of the Rocket Mortgage oh my Classic. God, seriously. How many texts did you get afterwards thinking like, yeah, I wish I could have watched it, but uh, <laughs> congratulations on, on getting to the playoff? Did you get a lot of those texts? Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a couple, but I, I saw a lot of it on Twitter afterwards. Um, <laughs> talking about how you know you've got ricky going for his first win in in almost five years and um nobody could figure out how to how to find it so um it's unfortunate obviously i know that the tour and cbs would love to have had that all live um coming down the stretch that would have been a lot of fun um but unfortunately you know the weather we kind of ended it right when we could have too so uh, you got to give the weatherman a little props on that for, <laughs> for calling it and for us being able to get it done. Otherwise, we might have gone into Monday and that's in a playoff. We're talking to Adam Hadwin, Canadian PGA Tour golfer. Um, okay, so let's talk about that three-way playoff. What's the mentality like going into that? You're obviously excited. You're like on the cusp of something great, but it's, I'm sure, a lot of nerves. And yeah, as you mentioned, you're up against the weather. <laughs> like the, the clouds are about to unleash on you. Uh, walk us through what it's like to be there on that three-way playoff at the end. Yeah, on the on uh, when we got to the tee, uh, the rules official that was walking with us, with us literally said, "Like, all right, guys, we're going to go 18 and 15, and I'm not sure what we can do beyond that. We've got about a 25, 30 minute, you know, window here to get this thing done. So, um, you know, the first thought is just to try and put some good good swings on. Obviously, you're nervous, but at the same time, um, you can't do any worse than second <laughs> at that point. Mm-hmm. So it was. Uh, I'll be honest, a little comforting, almost more comforting than playing the 18th um, in regulation, knowing that if you did make bogey, you wouldn't be in a playoff. And 
um, there was no chance to win anymore. So, um, yeah, I just try and put a good, as good a swing as possible on it. Um, and I hit two of the best shots I hit all day. Honestly, I was, um, I striped the driver off the tee and, and I flushed the nine iron into the green. It just had a little bit too much spin. Um, and then I hit a really good putt. Um, it rolled end over end. It, it had a chance. It just was a, a little firm, which given the situation, I think was, uh, I was always going to be a, a little firm going up the hill than, than leaving it short. Um, and unfortunately, I just just kind of slid past the left edge, and I was I was right on Ricky's line. I was about 95% sure he was going to make that putt in that situation. Um, but but good on him for burning uh, 18 in regulation to get into the playoffs and then burning it again in the playoffs. Yeah, there's a, a nice video of you in, right behind Ricky um, when he's about to, to sink that putt and you start clapping like you already know. Um, of course, you want to win, but it uh, seems like everybody really likes Ricky Fowler, likes the story. The guys on tour speak really highly of him, and that was a long time coming. Uh, great, A great story to see, and I'm sure you can uh, appreciate uh, what a golfer goes through to get to that point. So what's Ricky like, and what was it like? And maybe a bittersweet feeling seeing that one go in. Yeah, 100%. Um... Ricky's a great guy. He's a class act. Um, you know, my caddy Joe and I were talking about that throughout the round, just looking at the crowd. Obviously, the crowd was very pro-Ricky, um, which is understandable. And um, to, to think about the influence that he's had in the game and on the kids and, and how many kids are wearing orange and all that and, and the way that he's handled himself and continues to handle himself through all that is so impressive. Um and I, gosh, I mean, I think he's younger than me, which is crazy to think, but, um, you know, I'm, it, it's so impressive. And then to kind of lose his game, have to fight all the way back from, you know, almost losing his card, um, to where he is now. Yeah, absolutely. I can appreciate everything that he's had to go through the climb back, um, a very well-deserved win. I think that, you know, for me personally, um, I just love, to watch people do good things. Um, you know, I think back to um, career builder uh, a number of years ago when um, Adam Long, Phil Mickelson, and myself came up the last and um, Adam Birdie the last to win his first tournament. I think I was seen clapping there. Like, I just appreciate good golf um, in whatever form that is. If it beats me, it beats me. Um, I certainly did not feel like I lost that tournament. Um, I definitely felt like Ricky went out there and took it. And, um, yeah, you have to admire that. That's great perspective. Uh, I mean, you mentioned, you know, you stepped up, you hit the shots you wanted to hit. Uh, and it's a big spot, obviously, playing in a playoff. Um, a lot of people watching, some unable to watch, but a lot of people watching nonetheless. Yeah. But I wonder, like, because you played in, obviously, huge tournaments, played in home at the Canadian Open, have to deal with those questions. Is there any moment or has there been any any moments, at least recently, that have been, like, not not too much, but have given you some nerves? I always wonder that because, like, you know, Ailish and I play, and we get nervous on the first tee, can't hit the ball, oh, and we're like, we're morons playing at, you know, some small course around uh, the Toronto area. Like, I can't imagine if there was more than, like, five people watching me that it wouldn't absolutely take hold, but this is obviously commonplace for you. So what does you know, transcend the commonplace of being on a PGA tour. Is there any shot? Is there any stage? Is there any course? Is there any individual you may be playing with where the moment becomes a little bit bigger than it normally is? Uh, of course, every round. Um, we experience it in one way or another. Um, there's always certain shots that, um, I mean, I guess I can only speak for me personally, but yeah, there's certain shots that make me uncomfortable. 
Um, and that could be a Thursday morning at 9 a.m. with nobody around. Um, it's just an uncomfortable shot, and I've got to find a way to kind of talk myself out of the anxiousness a little bit and, and settle down and, and try and hit a good shot. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, coming down the stretch, certainly nervous. Um, I knew I was playing well, though, so it um, they kind of balance each other out a little bit, and you just kind of get in there and, and – trust what you've been doing and a lot of um, positive self-talk, you know, going in, telling yourself, you know, I've done this a hundred times and I've done this today already and I've done this and I've made this putt. And um, what was nice about last week, again, is I, I got back into this sort of realm of calmness, I think, a little bit. So, yes, a hundred percent there was nerves, but there was never any um, – my mind wasn't racing on what could happen. Um, it was never worried about the next shot. It was solely focused on the task at hand. Um, and it had been a while since I've been in that. So it was good to see, especially coming down the stretch, trying to win a golf tournament. That's kind of when it'd be very easy to kind of think ahead, what others are doing this and that. And, um, I was able to kind of stay mentally still. We're talking to Adam Hadwin. Uh, you'll be at the John Deere Classic this week. So how much of that momentum can you really sustain now a couple of days later at a new course? Um, and, and obviously you have a lot of positives, and I guess that's the way you want to be entering uh, a weekend this way. Uh, is it a course you know or know how to what to expect uh, from the way it plays and the way that you want to attack it? Yeah, I, I mean, I played last year. I didn't have great results, but the, the two times that I had pre- played previously were both top 20 finishes. Um, I like the golf course. I think it, uh, I mean, I think I can, I, I believe that I can play well here. Uh, we'll see how much momentum carries on. Uh, obviously playing really good golf at the moment. I'm doing a lot of really good things. Um, you know, most of the big things now are just kind of staying out of my own way, trying to have some fun with it, get rested, um, you know, save the energy for the tournament all that kind of stuff. Um, so I haven't, I haven't played the golf course yet, so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what it's like today, but yeah, I just, um, kind of keep doing the same things. Uh, I took, I tried to take a bit of a different attitude in the last week and just try to enjoy it a little bit more, have some fun and allowed me to relax and just, um, play some good golf, not be worried, not be too worried about the outcome of every little single thing. Um, and so it, it paid dividends. So we'll try and carry that into this week. Does it ever uh, make it hard to be second fiddle to your wife, who's more famous and fun on Twitter than you are? That's the girl supporting uh, girls, you know? I mean, you, guys, you guys want me to call back in ever again? <laughs> My gosh. I wanted to talk to her. Uh, I was hoping she'd bit, grab uh, the phone. No. <laughs> No, I know. Listen, I I get it. I understand. Um, <laughs> I would be saying the same thing too if I was on the outside looking in. Uh, we definitely got the uh, the uh, quick-witted part of this relationship, and um, we have a lot of fun. And 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 I know she she pokes fun, and sometimes I gotta poke fun back, and it doesn't really work out so well. But. Um, she definitely knows the social media game, that's for sure. Yeah, she would have liked my chirp. That was for her, so <laughs> she could play it back. <laughs> uh, well, we wish you the best of luck this week. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been great to chat. We'll be following along closely up here and cheering you guys on. So best of luck, and hopefully we do get a chance to chat down the road, and we'll also take uh, Jessica's call yeah. if she wants to. <laughs> All 
Okay. Absolutely. Thank you both. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. That's Adam Hadwin, a Canadian PGA Tour golfer, who was uh, in the three-way playoff at the end of the Rocket Mortgage, Cla- Mortgage Classic last week and is headed to the John Deere this week. We'll have to put him in our picks this week because he's playing some good golf. See, there's a little Adam Hadwin in me, I think. Like, if I'm seeing you step up, nail a birdie putt to, like, sink mm. my game, I'm I'm giving you the clap. But you, you're out there. I'm cutthroat. Roll, you know, driving your cart over my ball. <laughs> I have done that a few times. Getting really That's angry when I make plays. a good shot. Like, it's, it's we need a little more Adam Hadwin out there. My favorite thing to do when Justin's playing a little bit better than me is I will go... I'll be driving up to my ball. <laughs> this is so gutty. And I'll just happen to drive over his. And, like, I'll go out of the way, like, I don't know, 20 feet, and just be like, I'm looking for something, and I'll run right over his ball. It helps me, though, because I get to fluff it up after. That's true. It's actually, like, it's good teamwork. Not but it's, that I it's don't fun when I ride over anyway. it, and I look back, and you're like, come on. <laughs> anyway, that was a fun chat. Um, good to poke fun. But Adam Hadwin's been playing some great golf lately, and we'll do our picks uh, tomorrow, I guess, for the John Deere. I got to hear that question again, by the way, the last Relax, one. Relax, it's funny. Was, no, <laughs> that was funny. Good thing that he took that good. He's a good Canadian guy. Um, all right, let's uh, wrap up today's show with a wake and rake. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, major, 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 major sporting event happening today in the United States. Joey Chestnut looks to continue to defend his mustard belt at the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Competition at Coney Island. One day, I will be sent really to cover want? this. Okay, sent. One day, Sportsnet will be like, enough with this girl. She's crazy. Let's just send her there. Maybe she doesn't come back. No problem. I'll do it. Let's get the hot dogs out of her system. You know that I'm the, you know, the champion of the Looney Dogs committee here. Mm-hmm. I have a dog suit. I would go to Coney Island if we covered it, and I would, I would do my best. Already friends with Joey. Already chatted with him. Got a photo op. Intent. Next year, I seem to be free on July Fourth. I already looked. It looks this like I'm is, free. This, <laughs> this is a never meet your heroes thing to me. Meet. Nice. 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 Anyway, I uh, today's line. Let me just present it to you. Joey Chestnut over under 72 and a half dogs. Now, he's eaten 73 plus hot dogs three times at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, but eaten a total of 70 plus six times. The six times came from 2016 to 2021. He's since seen a little bit of a dip. Last year, he ate 63, but he was on crutches, if you don't remember that. He was, he, he, yes, there's a... <laughs> Excuse, he was on crutches. Uh, also, do you remember the protester? Was the, was the protester the crutches year? Yeah, I think it was. He dunked the protester and was on crutches. Okay, so, and so two bouts of adversity. And he still got sixty three. It was only sixty three. I know. So I actually, I think I'm going under. Okay. I think I'm going under. I'll play the. And I'll half. play the under with you. Okay. I'll play the under. I feel bad doing it, but Joey kind of ghosted me right at the move. Blue Jays game, so. Prove me wrong, Joey. Joey, <laughs> under 72 and a half dogs. Okay, I'm also going with a dog for my wake and rake pick. Wait, can we parlay chestnut? Is it possible? No, it's... Uh, we could. If you can find it, you can four-leg okay, parlay okay. it. But, okay. like, that's a side bet. My dog of the day is the Chicago Cubs. Now, they are not big dogs. They're slight dogs to the Brewers. And this is a very special game for me because on the mound is Dartmouth... Very own Kyle Hendricks. Go big green. We Doesn't don't, this happen every five days? He, Yeah, but not is it ever on the dog's day. <laughs> and Kyle Hendricks is pitching quite well. He's got a 281 ERA. Right. 
Um, he's not a strikeout king, but he's uh, he's got a good ERA. They're up against the uh, Brewers today. Wade Miley on the mound. I'm just going to go with the Cubs as dogs. It's all about dogs today, plus 105. I got a plus money play, too. I'm going to go Houston Astros on the run line, plus 100. They are hosting Kyle Freeland and the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies are bad. The Houston Astros are good. I'm just going to... That's my explanation. Uh, Just leave it there. Okay, there's uh, three texts in here. Neil in Newfoundland. It's okay, Neil. Good morning. Big loss yesterday. Lajovic didn't have his best stuff for some reason. Rain delays might be an issue, so I won't make a pick today. Okay, just just an update. He's just saying hello. Okay, I like that. Uh, good, morning. good morning. It's Corey from Port Hope here. I like the Blue Jays money line for my wake and rake. Time to go on a heater. I like that a lot. And, and then, morning, Alish and Justin. Sorry, I'm going Bassett over five and a half strikeouts. So two Jays picks. That's sorry, Courier Chris. Stony Creek. Uh, we have two Blue Jays picks to choose from. Is there one that you I like, like Blue better Jays than the other? Money line. I would rather beat go the, the money White Sox. Well. Let's go. So there, that's minus one twenty. Let's parlay that up. Uh, Cubs money line, Astros run line, Blue Jays money line. Under Joey Chestnut, dogs consumed. If you'd like to add that. That's plus six ninety nine. It's a good one. What is your uh, Coney Island? What is it? Famous hot dog eating contest? What is it? Something the Nathan's. famous. Nathan's yes. famous. Uh, what's your viewing experience? Like people get it up for the Super Bowl. People get up for well, watch it. a World Cup final. But is there like? Do you have like? Do you do hot dogs no. while you're watching the hot dogs? Like, no, what I think is, it kind of grosses routine? you out. Like watching all that. Like kind you're, of. You're eating one. You're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. My tummy hurts. I'll probably eat a salad. Okay. Just to offset <laughs> Joey's con- yeah. cons- consumption That's today. Good. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, text in here. Shout out to me, Alex. Your 30th birthday today. Woot, woot. Hope you all have a good day. You too, Ailish. There you go. Happy birthday. All right. Appreciate that very much. We're going to say goodbye. It was a lovely day today. Enjoy. Enjoy your Super Bowl, Ailish. Yeah, it's fine. If he gets over... No, I was going to say I'd wear my dog suit tomorrow, but I won't do it. I'm going to save that for mm, Looney Dogs. Almost. almost I miss Looney Dogs. I missed the last week, and I hope you talked about it. You probably didn't. We did not. <sighs> Depressed. Okay, have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow morning.